0: To all of you joining us. I want to go now to our theme verse today, Proverbs 22, verse 6. I want you to read it all with me, if you will. Here we go. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Why don't you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I pray today that you would allow, Father, all of us to be people who leave a legacy. Lord, let the The roar of our life, the sound of our life, have an impact to the people around us. Teach us today, speak to us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. We just read the scripture which says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. The word train up is a a Hebrew word which means to form through instruction. Form through instruction. But it comes from a root word, and that root word is the word initiate. It's interesting, last night we were uh, having the production meeting before the service, kind of going through all the things that needed to take place with all the team members. And, and in the middle of the meeting, uh, Pastor Randy had his son, Ryder, who is walking now. And, and it was funny because as, as Ryder was there in his arms, he started, Randy started to say something, and suddenly Ryder went, Rah! and he roared. And at first we were like, oh, wow, he really likes what Randy's saying. But what we found out was that mom had walked into the other side of the booth and he saw mom. And so that was his roar. I want mom. And so here's what was cool is Randy didn't take him to mom, give him to April. He put Ryder on the ground and he just let go. And as he let go and kind of initiated him, he started working his way and he made his way to mom. He initiated him on the right path. To reach the right destination. The point I want to make is that you and I, the Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Our children, we have a job and our job is to train them or to initiate them, to launch them in the right direction so that they'll reach God's destination for their life. And so today what I want to do is I'm going to spend a little time about talking about um, a couple dads. One of them is A dad, his name was David. And he left a legacy in his son Solomon. And I want to talk about how he initiated Solomon on the right direction. But let me just begin by saying, David wasn't the perfect dad. In fact, David made a lot of mistakes. Let me ask a question. Any dads look back and think, man, I could have done some things better? Any dads feel like that you could have done things differently? And so in life, we don't have to be perfect the Bible doesn't say that we have to be perfect parents. It it says we have to be intentional parents. Come on, isn't that good news for everybody? So the point is, is that that today we don't, you know, maybe if you're feeling discouraged, or maybe you had a father that you feel like didn't do the best job, or you feel like you haven't done the best job. Guess what? Today, you can set your course. You can initiate things in the right direction. And so, I want to give you some things that hopefully will roar through your life that you'll leave as a legacy to help initiate, get your children, get the people around you on the right path. So, today, I want to give you three thoughts. And we're going to talk about Solomon for a couple of these thoughts, and then we're going to talk about Jesus. For one of these as well and over the next two weeks we're going to continue to talk about legacy next week I'm excited to talk to you about the roar of legacy and I'm going to talk to you about Simba and Mufasa and we're going to talk about the roar and we're going to we're going to find some, find some powerful truths in scripture and then the last weekend of this series is going to be the last weekend of June and I want to encourage you don't miss it because I'm going to preach a message from my dad. I woke up this morning kind of missing him on Father's Day, and this message that he preached in our church several years ago um, came to my heart. And so I'm going to take that message, and I'm going to wear his shoes, if I can fit in them, because he had smaller feet than me, and I'm going to preach that message on legacy. So I want to encourage you to be here the next two weeks as we continue to talk about letting your legacy roar. So, what is it that we need to leave for our children? What is it that we need to pass on? How can we get them on the right path? Well, I want to give you the first thought, and it's simply this. If we're going to leave legacy and it's going to roar, we need to leave wisdom as a legacy. Leave wisdom as a legacy. So, I thought about wisdom. Last night, I actually went and and Googled pearls of wisdom or statements of wisdom. And I found some of them. I thought I would share some of them with you this morning. think we have them. The first one that came to me, oh, uh, I guess we we don't have them. So I'll I'll share them with you. I might not have sent them guys, but here's the first one. Pearl of wisdom. One of the first things that popped up on my screen. You ready for a pearl of wisdom? Okay. Here's a pearl of wisdom. Ready? This is a Texas proverb, which says, when you throw dirt, you lose ground. (laughs) I feel so much more wise. Don't you? (laughs) Here's another one. Laughing is the best medicine, but if you laugh for no reason, you probably need medicine. (laughs) Feel very wise, don't you? Here's another one. If you don't want anyone to find out, don't do it. (laughs) Pretty wise. How about this one? Some people are so poor, all they have is money. I love this one. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. It's interesting because as I I look at the life of David and I look at Solomon, even though David wasn't the perfect parent, you know the stories of how that he didn't deal with an issue with his kids when Amnon Uh, raped a half-sister by the name of Tamar, and he didn't address it, and he didn't discipline correctly, and then his son Absalom ended up killing the brother, and there was all this drama in his family because he wasn't the dad he needed to be in those moments, and I think all of us have moments where we're not the dad that we needed to be, but what I do love is even this imperfect dad, he set his children on the right course in certain areas, and one of those courses was the area Area of wisdom. And just like Randy set Ryder on course, God sent Solomon on course. And I want you to hear now the words of Solomon speaking about his father and the path that his father set him on. It's found in Proverbs. Here's what it says. It says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. So now these are the words of Solomon speaking to his sons. And he's saying, listen, listen to me as a father. And here's why. He said, for I too was a son to my father. Here's what he's saying. David was my father. And here's what David told me. He taught me and he said to me, say these words with me, get wisdom. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. You see, David taught his son Solomon, he got him on the right path, and he said, Solomon, listen, you need to understand that wisdom is the chief thing. In fact, you know, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So he taught his son to fear God. He taught his son to love God's word, and because of these things, he taught his son to prioritize wisdom. In fact, here's how we know that. We know that because Solomon, when he became king of Israel... God visited him one night in a dream. And he said to him, Solomon, you're now going to be the king of my people. I'm going to give you a request. What is it that you desire? And Solomon at that moment could have asked for anything. He could have said, I want to have victory over every enemy and never lose a battle like my dad. David never lost a battle. He could have said, I want great wealth. He could have said, I want to find true love. He could have said all of these things. I want power. I want prestige. But here's what he said. He said, God, the one thing I want more than anything is I ask for wisdom. And God was so touched by his desire for wisdom that here's what he said to Solomon. He said, Solomon, here's what's gonna happen. Because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for power and and, and for wealth, he said, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna make you wise, but because you're wise and because I blessed you, you're also gonna get power and wealth and all the other things that you didn't ask for. I'm gonna give you what you requested. I'm gonna give you wisdom. And the Bible says that he became the wisest king Probably, of all history, probably seen as the wisest man that ever lived. Why? Because a father initiated him, started him on the right track, trained him up in the way that he should go. And we know he was wise because of this. The Bible tells us a story. In fact, this was how his wisdom became known and renowned throughout the world. There was a horrible situation where a woman had a child and another woman had a child and one woman she happened to fall asleep I think on her child and smothered her child and, they, and the child died. There was another woman who lived with her that had a, a brand new child as well and so in the middle of the night when the woman found out and realized that her child had died she got up in the middle of the night and she switched the children and put the dead child underneath the other mom and she had the child that was alive that wasn't hers when they woke up of course there was an argument and the mom of the live child said that's my child she said no this is my child your your child's the dead child and there was this argument and so they end up in court before the king and of course it's a he said she said they didn't have DNA testing they didn't have Instagram pictures to check come on it was her word against hers and so King Solomon and going how do I decide such a difficult situation made this decision he said okay here's what we're going to do we're going to take the living child and cut it in half and give half to one and half to the other immediately as he said that the mom who had the dead child but was the real mom jumped up and said king no 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 no! don't do that please she can have the child it's it's her child and as soon as that happened the king stopped and said i've changed my mind and made a decision That's the real mom, because a mom will always protect its child. And so he gave the child to the mom who was the true mother, and his wisdom became known throughout the world to the point that kings and queens would come and visit just to hear his wisdom and his words. And I want you to hear something, that when you see the life of Solomon, you see a man who was wise. And, and I want to tell you that wisdom is important. And if there's something that you and I need to leave, whether a mom or a dad, a grandparent or a grandmother, or, or, or someone who's a boss or whatever it might be in life, you and I need to leave a legacy of wisdom. Let me tell you why wisdom is so important. In fact, here's the testimony of, of Solomon who gained wisdom. It's found a little later in the verse. It says this in Proverbs 4, verse 6. He says, don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you love her and she will guard you get wisdom in the wisest things you are getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do if you prize wisdom she will make you great enhance embrace her and she will honor you she will place the lovely wreath on your head and she will present you with a beautiful crown solomon knew it was his testimony Because he was blessed with the biggest, strongest, wealthiest, most amazing kingdom in all the world at the time. And it all came because he was willing to value wisdom. Are you leaving a legacy of wisdom in your family? You know, it's interesting. um, I have tried over the years to be a wise person, make wise decisions. In fact, I believe that if you're a person who loves God's word, you're going to make wise decisions. Because the Bible says his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So when you go to God's word and you seek the Lord, he'll give you wisdom and help you to navigate difficult situations. Sometimes as pastors we have to navigate difficult situations. Two parties having opposite perspectives and opposite views and trying to navigate that. And one of the things I've tried to tell my kids is that, guys, listen, be wise. Don't be rash. Don't, don't be selfish. Be wise. Seek the Lord. Get guidance. And and not long ago, I had a friend of mine who we happened to go golfing. And, and uh, it just so happened that my son was riding the cart with this gentleman. I was riding with someone else. And uh, we played golf, had a fun time, played around, and then afterwards went on our way. A few weeks later, I was out to lunch with that person. And as we were talking, he said, hey, Jared, he goes, man, I just got to tell you, I had so much fun hanging out with your son the other day. I said, really? I I, I thought maybe you're like feeling banished in the cart with the kid and say, instead of with the, you know, the adults. And he's like, no, it was awesome. Says, in fact, you know, I was amazed and by your son. I'm like, really, why is that? He goes, because... In the the cart, the whole 18 holes, all he did was sit down and say, hey, can you give me advice? You're someone who's accomplished. You have a business. You've been successful. You have a family. Could you give me some advice? If if, if I'm going to do this, what would you do? And he said the whole time, all he did was ask for wisdom. I got to tell you, it was a proud day (laughs) for me. I want to ask you a question. What are you leaving as a legacy? Maybe God wants us to leave wisdom as a legacy. You all with me? Amen? Can I give the second one? Leave a godly home as a legacy. Leave a godly home as a legacy. I love the words of Solomon. These are Solomon's words. Now remember, his dad David had raised him. David wasn't the perfect dad, but one of the things that he passed on was not just wisdom, but a love for a godly home. And so Solomon writes these words. I'm going to give you the context of this verse in just a minute. But here's what he says. Solomon says, the son of David, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. You see, I believe that David taught his son Solomon how to build a godly home. How to make God first, how to trust God with the building process of the home. You know, the Bible says that we're to build our houses on, not on rock, not on sand, right? So when the storms come, they'll stand. And the rock represents Christ, building our, our homes on Christ and on godly principles. You see, I believe David taught that, and here's how he taught that, because there were times in his life where he could have taken control and tried to build it on his own. I'll give you an example. One example was when God was building this new home of David as a a man, as a husband, and as a father, and God had given him a vision and a dream for his home, and that was that he was going to be king. The problem was he wasn't king. There was another king, and his name was Saul. And that king wanted to kill him. And so he was literally running for his life. But multiple times there were opportunities. One time when Saul was chasing him and had to go to the bathroom, went into a cave to relieve himself. And who's hiding in the back of the cave and he doesn't know it? David and some of his mighty men. And the mighty men say, God has given David into our, I mean, given Saul into our hands. Now you can have the kingdom. Now you can build your home and establish your, your house as the king of the land. Let me kill him and take him out. And what did David say? No, 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 no. Don't touch God's anointed. What was he showing his son? He was showing his son that God has to build the house, not me. Because if you try to build it, it'll, it'll be in vain, it'll be wasted effort. Another time that happened where he taught his son was when one of his own sons Absalom came and began to create a civil war in Jerusalem to try to take the kingdom away from his father and David literally left the palace and went out into the wilderness because he didn't want there to be a battle in Jerusalem and innocent people to die and so his son came and literally um, um, went into his house, took possession of his home, slept with his concubines, dishonored him in front of the people. And what did David do? He didn't fight in Jerusalem. Eventually, there was a battle in the wilderness, and he won. But as he walked out of the city, here's what he said. He said, God is the one who makes the the final call. And if God is using my son to move me out so that he can establish his kingdom, who am I to stand against God? But if God is the one who's called me to be king, he will bring me back, and I will be king of the land. What did he teach his son? God has to build the house. And so the message, I think, for every dad or every mom or anyone who's building a business or a legacy in life is simply this. Don't take your home into your own hands. Let it be in the hands of God. This doesn't mean that you don't have responsibilities, that you don't initiate, that you don't lead and do things, but let God be the one who builds the house. The reason I bring this verse up is because it's interesting The context, many theologians and scholars believe that when Solomon wrote these words, unless the Lord builds the house, it's it's wasted energy, right? Unless the Lord guards the city, the guards are standing in vain. You know what the context of that was? Was actually when he became king. You see, when Solomon became king, God, God had told David that Solomon was to be the next king. But David had many sons, And one of those sons was a guy by the name of Adonijah. And one day, when David was very old and not paying attention to the kingdom, what happened is Adonijah got a bunch of people in the kingdom to side with him, and he was about to pronounce himself as the king of the land. And what happened was the the prophet Nathan, remember Nathan was the one who came to David and and instructed him when David had sinned with Bathsheba, and he was the one who was a confidant of David and a source of, of God's voice to David as a prophet. And so one of God's prophets hears about what's going on and he goes to Bathsheba and Nathan says to Bathsheba, hey, you need to go to David and tell him, hey, my son, you promised that he would be king and then I'll come in and he set up this situation and so Bathsheba goes to David and tells him what's going on and then Nathan comes in and confirms what's going on and then David acts and he says, take my my son Solomon and put him on my personal donkey and ride him into this place and, and crown him as the king and put him on the throne and Solomon Literally, if he had not had this happen, his brother Adonijah would have killed him and his mom because he would have had a claim to the throne. God spared Solomon's life, spared his mom's life and gave him the kingdom because God is the one who builds the house. And it's interesting to me how many people struggle in life and here's why, because they try to build the house. Oh, that my kids, oh, that your kids would see us letting God be the great builder. Being a part of the process, grabbing the hammer and grabbing the nail and doing our part. But that our kids would know that ultimately every blessing, what does the Bible say? Every good and perfect gift from, comes from the Father up above. Your Father in heaven loves you and He knows how to build your home. So, oh, that we would leave a legacy where our kids see that God is the master builder. Take your hands off of your home and leave it in the hands of the Lord. I'll never forget for me, one of the greatest things that taught me about this was when I was a young man. At the time, I was in junior high school. And my parents were pastoring a church in Visalia, California, Community Chapel. It was a small little church. And I'll be honest with you, it was a very rough season there were some things that had happened in the church. People had betrayed my father, and um, they were struggling. The church financially was just barely getting by. My parents were working full time, they had two jobs that they were working as well as working full time at the church. But I got to tell you that those three and a half years that they were there, I saw time and time again God step in and provide for the church and provide for my family. Times when we didn't have enough money to have groceries and my mom and dad were worried about what are we gonna do tomorrow? What are we gonna feed our kids tomorrow? And then that night, someone would show up at the house and say, hey, we're from another church and God spoke to our pastor that we were supposed to take an offering for you and buy you groceries and would show up on the night before we had no food with car, a car full of groceries providing our needs, i got to tell you that I watch time and time again how God can build the house. So I want to encourage you, leave a legacy of wisdom. Leave a legacy that says God builds the house. Can I just say, kids will love what you love. And can I throw this out there? What I love about Solomon and David is that David loved not only the fact that God was building his house, but David loved God's house. In fact, he wanted to build God's house, and he couldn't. But guess what? His son did. Because how many know your kids will love what you love? I have proof of it. It's a picture right here. That's the Detroit Lions right there. We all are wearing Detroit Lions because we love the Detroit Lions, Our kids love the Detroit Lions. By the way, that's our roar right there. Just throwing it out there. You know what's interesting is the people in this church, many of them, not all, but most of the time, the people who are in church, who love God's house, who will serve in God's house, who will give to God's house, who will pour their lives into God's house, many of them, you look at their life and guess what they have. They have someone, a father, a grandmother, someone that loved the house of God and now they're living out that legacy. Leave a legacy of wisdom. Leave a legacy of of building God's house. And here's another thought. How about we leave righteousness as a legacy? Leave righteousness as a legacy. I want to show you an interesting verse about Solomon and David because Solomon eventually made some mistakes and the kingdom was going to be taken away from him. God was angry and needed to judge his disobedience. But I want to show you something. Watch this. So he's speaking to Solomon because of his disobedience. He brought idols into the nation, which God said, I don't want you to worship any graven image or an idol. And he, because he was marrying women from other kingdoms to, to do certain things, he allowed idols in the land. And so watch what God says. God says, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of who? Your father, David, I will not do this while you're still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not totally take away the entire kingdom. In fact, I will let him be king of one tribe for the sake of my servant, David. David wasn't a perfect guy. He committed adultery. He committed murder. At times he wasn't the father he was supposed to be. But why was it that God saw him as righteous? I believe God saw David as righteous because David was a man who was quick to repent and quick to turn and depend on the Lord. So let me say righteousness, let me start by saying righteousness isn't about us being perfect. We'll never be perfect. But when we lean into Christ, when we, when we repent of our sins, when we call upon Jesus, we begin to stand in his righteousness. And I believe that David is a beautiful picture of that. And I want you to notice in this verse, what does it tell us? It tells us this, that God literally withheld his judgment on a son because of his love for the righteousness of God. Of a father. Think about that for a minute. Think about the importance of you and I being people who will live righteously. God will bless your children. Because of you. That's the message. The level of inheritance. The level of blessing that comes to your children. Isn't just based on them and what they do. It's based on you and the kind of person you are. In fact, I'll show you a great verse in the Bible. Look what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 7. It says the, what kind of man? The righteous man, the righteous man leads a blameless life. And what does it say? Blessed are his children after him. Bottom line is that it could be that your children will never have the greatest inheritance and the greatest blessing if you don't decide to be a person of righteousness. Because God wants to build on the righteousness the integrity, the love for God that's in your life. The greatest way to position your kids to have God's best is for you to follow wholeheartedly after the Lord. You all with me? I believe that this church is blessed. I believe, you know, it's amazing to see what God has done here. To see literally yesterday at a funeral with three or 400 people here, I give an altar call, and there had to have been at least 100 hands raised for people to get saved at a funeral on an afternoon at Higher Vision Church. We've had 40,000 people raise their hand to make a commitment or recommitment to Christ. We've had lives transformed, marriages come together, miracles are happening. But I got to tell you, the reason I believe some of that is taking place is because there's an inheritance, a blessing that we're walking in because I had a father. And I have a mother who said, we're going to live a life that honors and pleases the Lord. What does the Bible say? That that God will bless the children of the righteous. I I happened to find this today when I was kind of meditating and studying, and it's, it's called the generational blessing. And I want to show it to you. It's a practical example. A man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, who was a great preacher, someone decided to go back and look at the blessing that followed his passion for God and his serving of God. And so they did a study of his descendants. 1,394 descendants were traced through his genealogical life and through the study. And as they did this study, here's what they discovered. According to family records, they revealed that 295 of them graduated from college. Now think about this. This is... Hundred years ago. Twenty-five percent graduated from college, at least, or more. Of those who graduated, 13 became college presidents. 65 of his descendants became college professors. Three of his descendants were elected to as state senators, and three as state governors. One became the dean of a law school. A hundred became lawyers. 30 became judges. Over 100 became missionaries or preachers or prominent authors. 80 held public office. In Three became mayors of large cities. One became the controller of the U.S. Treasury. 56 became practicing physicians. And one became the a dean of a medical school. And one became a vice president of the United States. Look at the legacy that can come when we make God and righteousness a priority in our life. You all with me? Amen. Amen. Leave wisdom. Leave a godly home. Leave a, a lifestyle of righteousness. And I want to give you the last one. Leave a legacy of forgiveness. I want to read to you the words of Jesus. Jesus is reflecting his father. In fact, Jesus said, when you see me, you see my father. What does he say when everyone's turned on him? What does he do when people treat him wrong? What does he do when he's falsely accused? Does he rise up in bitterness and anger? Does he retaliate? Is he a person of of revenge? Does he talk about others? Does he go after others? No. As he's hanging on the cross, what does he say? Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. You see, Jesus, just like Solomon was initiated David initiated Solomon on the right path you know God initiated his son Jesus God loved the world so much and the world was evil and the world had turned against righteousness and good and so he loved the world and because he loved the world rather than being angry at the world he initiated his son on a path towards a cross and that path was a path of forgiveness in fact the path of forgiveness said even if you choose not To do the right thing i'm still going to forgive you even if you reject me I'm still going to forgive you And jesus modeled the heart of a father and he was a person Who forgave the world Who forgave others And I want to say today I as I was praying I thought if there's one legacy that I leave to my kids I hope it's a legacy that they're they're people as they grow into men and women that are people who live a life of forgiving others. I can say that I believe that they're going to do that because my father did that. I want to end with this story. I want the worship team to come. I'll never forget, I was a, I was a young boy, probably nine or ten years of age, and my dad was pastoring a church in northern Michigan. It was a small church in a small community, a town of 700 There were about 70 people in the church, so he had 10% of the population in his church. He'd been there for a short time, and as he was leading the church, there were some people in the church that didn't want to go in the direction that he was going, and they were fighting his leadership, And, and so he had some challenges because of the stress. My dad was a man who had epilepsy, and it was controlled through medication, but what happened was because of all the stress of the issues that were happening in the church he had some kind of reaction either to the medication or to the stress or both and it basically put him in a condition so desperate because of the epilepsy and the the seizures that he was unable to walk he lost the function of his legs so here is my father now basically falling apart physically because of the stress of ministry he's now in the hospital trying to recover can't walk And while he's in the hospital trying to recover, several of the people decided to do a coup in the church. And they rose up and they passed around a petition and began to accuse him. You see, there's this example in the Bible of someone who had epilepsy. And when they had epilepsy, Jesus cast a demon out of them. So they took this theology to an extreme and they basically passed around a a slanderous accusation calling my dad a demon-possessed pastor. And how can a pastor who's demon-possessed, he has epilepsy, so he has a demon. How can a demon-possessed pastor pastor a church? He shouldn't be here. And the church rose up against him and signed petitions to remove him as the pastor of the church. I'll never forget the day that my dad came out of the hospital. He still couldn't walk, was in a wheelchair. And they wheeled him to the front of the church. And as they wheeled him to the front of the church... He sat there in that wheelchair with some other pastors beside him and said, you know, there's been some things said, and I'm the pastor. God has called me here, and God's got a vision for this church. And as he wouldn't resign, two-thirds of the church stood up in the middle of that conversation that he shared and walked out of the church and left him with a third of the people. Somebody said, man, that happened in a church? Come on, how many know the church isn't filled with perfect people? I mean, no bad things can happen even in good places where God's moving. And you know what? As a, as a son, there's a part of me that said, Dad, you need to go after them. Sue them! <laughs> I know some people! We'll go, we'll go visit them in the middle of the night! Come on, do you have that friend that you can just call and say, hey, I got a body to bury. Would you go with me? Come on, do you have that friend? I mean, I'm only 10 and I'm ready to to go after the jugular vein. But you know what I saw? I saw a father who said, son, you can't live like that. You have to choose to love people. You have to choose to trust people and you have to choose to forgive people. And I saw a dad who forgave and who stayed and who loved and who still ministered to those people even when they went through trials later on. And you know what? When I went through times in my life where people hurt me and turned on me and talked about me, guess what? There was a reservoir, a legacy that had been left in my life that taught me how to forgive. And I've seen my kids forgive. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? Jesus was on the cross and he lived out a legacy. And that legacy was forgiveness. I want to tell you today that God has a plan for you in your life and he has a blessing that he wants to bring to your family and to your children the question is what is what is the legacy you're going to leave is it going to be a legacy of revenge is it is it a legacy of well I'm going to get even is it a legacy of well hey it's about us and, and me and my life and my desires or is it God Lord you build the house is it a legacy of well you know I'm smart and I've got a degree and or is it, Lord, I'm going to go to your word and I'm going to ask you and your spirit to guide me and to lead me? Here's the cool thing. When you and I make a decision to walk in righteousness, to live in forgiveness, to walk in wisdom, you position God to bless you, but you position God to bless you, the generations that come behind you. And he'll do it above and beyond what you gave even ask, dream, somebody say amen